I get to say this to you this morning. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, we're going to be there today and in uh, a little bit of chapter 9. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it's been an amazing journey for Hilton Head Island Community Church uh, to be where we are today. And uh, it's through God's faithfulness uh, that he has seen us uh, through this journey. And, and I've begun each of these series, or I've begun each of these messages in this series uh, that we've been in these past few weeks about giving and about uh, money and about how we should handle it, how we should uh, be generous with it. I've begun with stories about God's faithfulness to our church. And uh, I've done that on purpose because when I um, look around here, um, especially on the week of Thanksgiving, uh, I am so thankful for what God has done and what God is doing in the life of this church. And each story really drives at the fact that um, he is, has in the past, and he will do this in the future, has taken the faithfulness and obedience of his people, and he has seen us through some difficult times and through some good times, and he has seen us to the point where we are where we are today, and we continue to trust and follow him. And uh, so I want to tell you the story about several years ago uh, when we were meeting in a different location. Um, see, for a while, when we started um, as Low Country Community Church Hilton Head, um, our motto could have been, uh, come and worship with us if you can find us, because we met in so many different locations and so many different places. And uh, if you showed up one week, we might be gone from the place that we were last week. And uh, we entered into a lease down off of Office Park Road. And uh, it was fantastic. Uh, the landlord down there near the Sea Pine Circle was a great guy who really treated us right. And we treated him right because we paid every single month. Uh, and that doesn't happen around here, especially during the recession, which we were in, and uh, a lot. So uh, it was a good working relationship. But um, that building was something that we began to grow out of. And, and if you were there, you know that um, during some points of time during the summer months, the air conditioning didn't work real well. And that's a, that's a non-starter for me, I know, in Hilton Head and down here in the south and with the humidity. And the other part of the problem down there was the ceilings were really, really low in that building, which totally wasn't a problem for me at all. But for some of you, that's an issue. And so uh, it, was a, it was an issue, and we were just busting at the seams in so many ways. And uh, here we are many years later, and God has provided this facility uh, for us and for our community, and I'm so incredibly thankful. By the way, how many of you were down at Office Park Road with us during some of those days? Even if you came down a few times, a lot of you guys, you remember, hot, air, and low ceilings, right? So anyway, and uh, God's done amazing things. But I want to tell you uh, the story of the time that uh, we really prayed through in a period of time that we prayed through how God would lead us to be here. It was December the 10th, 2010, and we were looking at 2011 and wondering where we we're going to meet, and uh, God um, really was leading us, our, our leadership team, our elders, and uh, our staff 
to pursue uh, something else because we were really growing out of that space down there, but nothing was opening up. And we had a whole team of people looking for space, looking for space, looking for space, and nothing would come up. So on December the 10th, 2010, I had a meeting with the landlord later that afternoon to really begin the process of, of signing a, a new three-year uh, lease with him, uh, knowing that it, we really were extremely beyond uncomfortable in that uh, facility and that it would really stifle our growth. And so we just kept praying and praying and praying. And on that day, that morning, I got a call about 8 o'clock in the morning from Gary Harrison. Gary's right here in the back. He was one of our elders at the time and now is on our stewardship team. And uh, he and Janice have been just the heartbeat of our church um, since really day one. Um, I remember when we first started, and he and Janice walked in, and I introduced myself to them, and they told me their names, Gary and Janice. And for the next six weeks, I said hello to Gary, Harrison, and Mary. And it wasn't Janice, or like the next week it was Sally or Susan or whatever. I completely messed up her name for like six weeks. So, Gary, I'm just glad you guys are still here. That's awesome. So, uh, anyway, but he called me that morning, and he said, uh, don't have the meeting. I think God just provided the building. And we met down here, right here in this building later that afternoon, or maybe a day later, I can't remember the time frame, um, but we met within a couple days of him finding out that this building was uh, going to be sold or, or, or uh, leased out in some form or fashion. And uh, we walked in here, and it was a warehouse. It did not look like this at all, not even close. There was a mezzanine over here filled with junk. I mean, warehouses are like garages, right? They're just filled with junk, and that's what it was. And, uh, but Gary and I saw it, our, our team saw what it could be. And I remember um, a few weeks later, maybe even a few days later, getting a copy of the blueprint for this facility and um, meeting with a couple of our guys before we began announcing that we were pursuing this because we wanted to check ourselves and make sure that this is what God was leading us to do. And I wrote down three prayer requests on the top of those blueprints. And I remember very specifically what they were. The first one was this, um, to enter into uh, any kind of contract at all would require $100,000, and as it turned out, that $100,000 would be needed in a 30-day period of time later in May of 20, 2011. Now, at that point in time, we had 37 people or family units or giving units that were giving to the ministry of our church. And if you know anything about giving, um, 37 people giving $100,000 is a lot. It's almost too much to ask for over and above tithes and offerings. The second thing that I wrote down as a prayer request was um, let it be zoned properly. Let the, the, the town codes and the zoning be okay for us. And we needed something um, included that's very specific. We needed assembly. And that would be like colleges. In fact, that's why it was okay for us to meet down off of Office Park Road because um, that building had once been a college. It had been the Technical College of the Low Country. And for, I think, a period of time, it was uh, part of uh, USCB. And so um, that was zoned perfectly fine. But if you look at a zoning map of Hilton Head, um, it looks like a, a patchwork quilt. Uh, you, you could be an, on one piece of property and it's zoned for, you know, industrial and the next piece of property is zoned for commercial or, or residential or whatever the case may be. And all, and it's very much more complicated than I'm making it sound. Um, but we really knew that that was a huge prayer request if we were going to pursue this building. And then the third thing that I wrote down was, is that Hargrave, that is a telephone company, 
would um, be okay with us uh, wanting to do some type of lease purchase. And so those were the three prayer requests, and I have them written at the top of uh, those uh, blueprints in, in the late part of 2010, early part of 2011. And I want to let you know that here we are in 2015, and God answered every single one of those three prayer requests. Isn't that awesome? That's incredible, isn't it? And to me, the most amazing one was the fact that in 30 days, you all, our church, Hilton Head Island Community Church, raised $100,000. I was shocked. I was shocked. And the story is much more detailed and, and, and complicated than that, telling you the whole story. But when, when I reflect on that, and when I think about that, and, and some of you have that uh, piece of fleece that we put out the fleece to God on that $100,000, and he provided through you. It was his faithfulness, but it was your obedience to do what God asked you to do, uh, being a part of that. And when I think about that, I think about radical generosity. I think about people who stepped up to the plate, and many of you were already giving your tithes and offerings. Many of you were already contributing, but you went above and beyond. You went way beyond in the middle of a recession, um, or after a little bit after the recession. Some of you are like, I didn't know the recession even ended, but that, I get that. Um, and so, like, you know, like you all gave in such a remarkable way, and that's a testament to God's faithfulness, but it's also a testament to the fact that you all believe in radical generosity, just like this church that we're going to look at today believed in radical generosity. Now, over the past few weeks, um, we have taken a look through questions and statements. We've taken a look at three different barriers that stand in the way of you and I giving back to God. And so I just want to, as a way of review, and you can go online and listen to this on our podcast or on our website, but I want to just take a look at this as we've thought about our view of money and we've evaluated uh, our, our really level of generosity and assessed how much we're giving to God. We've asked three questions and answered these three questions, and hopefully it's, it's allowed you to process with you and uh, you know, your spouse or you and the Lord or um, you know, maybe it's just you, and that's fine too, um, where you currently are. And what you can do to kind of get over some of these challenges. In week one, we asked the question, um, I asked the question to you, are you able to give? Are you able to give? And see, what happens sometimes is um, when it comes to giving back a portion to God, um, we like filter that through our current financial situation. And we say, you know, I've, I've got this uh, financial commitment um, that I just really like cannot give to God because of this financial commitment. And that could be debt. It could be uh, expenses beyond, you know, what is like normal and reasonable and um, really according to God's plan. Or it could be, uh, it could be a business that you have. Um, and, and then we, we look at our finances and say, I just can't do that much. I'm not able to give. And you heard it in week one when we had the testimony from Jessica. And she said, I, I really believe that um, when you say that you're not able to give, that you probably are. Because when we filter through our ability to give, we certainly don't say that vacation stands in the way of us giving back to God, do we? Or that extra car or, you know, that new car, whatever the case may be. Um, we'll often use different things. We'll use different excuses. And so uh, we talked about that week, the idea of us removing the financial barriers. In fact, that was our statement. We are able to give when we remove financial barriers. 
we are able to give when we remove financial barriers. And if you're here today and uh, you haven't signed up for financial peace that starts in January, it's looking like the the last Monday of January is when it's going to start. I want to encourage you to do that. And when you sign up for that, you're signing up for information. Um, at this point in time, we're going to communicate with you about how much it costs. It's usually under about $110. But with that, you get this amazing kit that you're going to be journeying with a group of people over about eight weeks. And inside are all these helpful tools, a book, the workbook you'll go through, even a, 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 a book with uh, different envelopes in it so that you can plan financially. Because one of the things that we use as, as an excuse or as a barrier between us and giving to God is our ability. And really, if we have this down, we can remove that as a barrier, right? So um, here's what's happened over these past few months. We've discovered six different leaders. Mary Aminetti's led financial peace for years here, but she said, I need some help. And through the shape assessments, many of you have taken the shape assessments, um, we've discovered six different people um, who are going to help her lead Financial Peace University. But you know how many people have signed up so far? Six. People have signed up to take it. So if you're one of the six that signed up to take it, you're going to get some really intense personal evaluation of your finances. Um, so, and it could be that you guys are in such great shape financially that you don't need Financial Peace University. And so today's giving is going to be through the roof, and we are all good, okay? So that's what I'm thinking, right? I mean, that makes sense, right? It's logical. So anyway, um, but uh, we are able to give when we remove financial barriers. And I want to tell you, that for some of you, this will save your marriage, it'll save your lives, it'll literally bring peace into a situation that you don't think is peaceful. Um, it's amazing what you can do when you focus on these things and really drill down, and that's what we offer as a church. And so we're able to give when we remove financial barriers. In week two, I asked the question, do you desire to give? And, and we discovered that we desire to give when we make Jesus the center of our lives. And, and, and us not having that desire to, to, to give possibly means that Jesus isn't really the center of our lives. And so that really drives at heart. In week three, uh, I asked the question, are you determined to give? That was last week. Are you determined to give? And, and we discovered that we're determined to give when we practice good stewardship and trust God to provide during financial adversity. And we took a look at four different things that we can do to kind of navigate with God through financial adversity. And, and so today we're asking the final question, and that is, am I ready to give? Because here's the deal. You can have the ability to give, which I believe we all do. You can have the desire to give. Uh, you can be determined to give. But if you don't give a portion back to God, then it's really just all talk, right? Uh, I, I have Sydney is eight, and uh, or, excuse me, Sydney is eleven, and Sean who's eight. And uh, yesterday, uh, Sean and I were uh, doing some work out in the yard, and um, I asked him to to go um, go get me something, go get the wheelbarrow or something like that. And he went in and and he got the wheel wheelbarrow. Now um, he could say, "Yeah, Dad, I'll do that," and then he gets sidetracked or gets interrupted. Or he thinks of something else to do, and he goes and rides his bike around the yard, which, by the way, he did a lot of when he was younger. But now he's eight, and he follows directions exactly, and so does Sydney. We never have any trouble with this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but we do the same thing with God when we talk a big game, but don't actually give. And so today we're going to be talking about readiness, and we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 12. 
So take a look. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. If not, the verses will be on the screen. And we're going to end today by flipping over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, but we're going to start with 8. Now, we've read uh, and we've studied the first seven verses. Today, we're going to look at the last four, but we're going to read the whole passage so you can see how it all connects, because this church that you're going to hear about today is the model of generous giving. Take a look at what happened here. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. By the way, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth about a group of churches in the area of Macedonia. I'll tell you about that in a moment. He says this, uh, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Now, there have been two things that have been, we'll stop here for a moment. There have been two things that have been mentioned so far. Um, there's this crisis, this uh, uh, some sort of affliction that's happened. And most of the time when you see that, it's of some kind of natural disaster. But this was actually the fact that this group of churches in Macedonia was located very close to Rome, a little bit north of Athens, but um, very close to Rome. And when the Christians, when the followers of the way in the first century became a problem, a political problem for Rome, they actually went out and sought the destruction of Christians. They sought to persecute Christians. And in the first century, we see the first church being persecuted all over the world. But really, this is where it began because it was close to Rome. And so a region of Macedonia, and by the way, there's still the country of Macedonia or the Republic of Macedonia that's still there, and it's very hot today politically because a lot of the Syrians, uh, refugees are coming out and traveling through Macedonia. This was a, a key location in the political um, kind of uh, environment of that day, and it still is today. Um, and, and this area was very wealthy. But because Rome came in and destroyed everything they had, because they took and, uh, all of the resources of the people and, and persecuted the Christians, it ended up that there was this great suffering. And so this church, even in the midst of this suffering, is begging to take part in relieving the other saints around the world. You can see their generosity. Verse 5, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then by the will of God, they gave to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus... This is the uh, guy that was selected to deliver messages and to collect some of these offerings. He was a very faithful uh, apostle, very faithful man who went around the world collecting money on behalf of the church worldwide in that day and age. We urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace, talking about giving as well. And he says this. Take a look at this. Verse 8. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. You see, he connects giving to our love for Jesus and the things of God. He connects those two things together. He says it's not a command. It's just really to prove the earnestness uh, of, of your love and that your love is genuine. Verse 9, um, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, he was the son of God, so he was rich, 
Yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give you my judgment. Here's what Paul's saying. This is what you should do. The bottom line is here's what you should do. This benefits you. This act of giving benefits you. Who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. They did it willingly. And then he says, finish it. Verse 11, so now finish doing it as well so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Essentially what Paul is saying there is he's setting up the gift that God gave in his son Jesus, dying on the cross for the sins of the world, he set that as the ultimate gift. That is a great gift, the greatest gift that we ever could have. And, and so Paul uses that as the standard. And essentially what he's telling the church in Corinth here is I've given you the example of the Macedonians, but now I'm telling you um, strive to give to the level that Christ gave to you. That's the standard. Yes, the Macedonian church is the standard, but he's really kind of like helping them understand how much. And essentially what he is saying is be generous as much as you can. Yes, the Bible establishes 10% as a bare minimum uh, of obedience in the Old Testament and the New. We saw that in week two. But what he's saying here is, is for some of you, um, maybe it's time to go beyond that. And we see that many people do that. Um, and in fact, there was a guy by the name of J.C. Penney who did that. He lived on 10% and gave 90% back to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And, and so with this in mind, um, you and I can have an understanding that if we're ready to give or when we're ready to give um, is, is when we joyfully carry out our plans to practice radical generosity. It's one thing to say it. It's one thing to, to attempt to do it or want to do it. It's another thing to be involved in the action of giving. And so today what I want to do is give us four declarations, a very positive message of, of our desire and our belief to give. Um, in, in my office, I have a copy hanging on the wall of the Declaration of Independence um, and the, the Bill of Rights. And it was a gift that Cynthia gave me uh, 20 years ago. We've been married 20 years this year. And uh, we graduated from Liberty University. We won a football game yesterday. Go Flames. We always got made fun of for being the Flames. But I, I kind of liked it. Okay, so anyway, um, we graduated 20 years ago. And um, three weeks later, we got married. My, my dad is here today uh, from Florida and uh, up with us here this week. And he remembers that day and that month. That was a wild, uh, kind of crazy time because... <laughs> We made all of our family come to Lynchburg, Virginia for our graduation and then come up again three weeks later. Uh, that was nice of us, wasn't it, Dad? So anyway, um, but anyway, we, um, we, we graduated and then got married shortly thereafter. And so as a graduation present, Cynthia really was thoughtful about giving me these two things. As a poly, I was a poli-sci major, pre-law major. That meant a lot to me. And, and I was really thoughtful after I got a gift from her and I had no plans to give her a gift for graduation. I was really thoughtful after that and gave her a jewelry box. 
Anyway, um, <laughs> so I have these hanging on my wall in my office, and part of the reason I have that, it reminds me of how the founding fathers of our country declared um, their independence from a tyrannical government in England, but so much of what they did started from the Word of God. And if you really read that Declaration of Independence, if you read the Bill of Rights, if you read the Constitution, many of our founding documents, they're based on the Word of God. And those two documents remind me not just of our rights as Americans, but they really remind me that we have rights as Christ followers, but we also have a responsibility. The Bill of Rights reminds us of the rights. The, The Declaration of Independence reminds us that we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to steward our lives and the things that God's given us. Uh, with a, a great excellence. And so today we're going to take a look at these four things as, as we just kind of finish up here and, and, and bring things to a close on this message here is four declarations that are just strong statements of what we believe, because that's what the Declaration of Independence is, about the value of money and the value of generosity. So, so hang with me here. Take a look at this first declaration, and then we're going to give some verses to support it. First and foremost is I am planning and preparing to generously give a portion of my money to God. It's a declaration that I am planning and preparing to generously give a portion back to God. Luke 14 says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him. I love that. Saying this man uh, began to build and was not able to finish. Count the cost. You, you, know, how to, you know how much... Uh, you are going to be generous if you just decide that you're going to give, but you don't put it in your budget. You're not going to do it at all. You're not going to do it at all. You see, if we don't take um, the, the resources that God's given us and plan out um, giving back to him, we're not going to give back to him at all. Um, we, we might give him our leftovers, but the Bible says that we should bring him our first fruits. And so we have this concept of us um, giving back to him. And so being prepared and, and, and planning are, are two things that we are, are essential in the, the whole process of giving back to the Lord. We can have the intent, we can have the desire, we can have the determination, but if we don't bring the check or if we don't initiate the payment, if we don't get on our account online and make sure that happens, um, we won't give. Here's what Cynthia and I do. As soon as we get paid um, each and every month, we already have it planned out. In uh, our database here at the church, we have it planned out to to twice a month give 10% of what we bring in. And and that way we don't forget because I promise you I have ADD. I'm no help at all on these things. And, and you know, it's hard for Cynthia to remember because we have a lot going on. And so we do this as an act of worship through setting those up in advance. And, and so, you know, planning and, and preparation are so important. But then how much is the question? The Bible established that 10%, but look at what Paul says. He says, even though Jesus was, was rich, he became, listen, I want you to hear this. Don't miss this. He chose to become poor for your sake and for my sake. He made the decision to get on the cross and die for our sins. He chose that. 
And Paul is saying that um, how much we give is not a command. I believe that 10% is kind of that bare minimum that God desires us to have. But he says it's not a command. Give out of how much the abundance of thankfulness and gratitude you have for what Christ did on the cross. And so giving declaration number one is I am planning and preparing to generously give a portion of my money back to God. And secondly is this, I am delighted. I am delighted to give a portion of my money back to God. You know, some things we do, sometimes we do things for the wrong reason. Um, sometimes we do it because we have to. And I think that's the way it is um, when it comes to money. But God's pretty clear that he wants us to have delight and joy in giving. So look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Um, each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, what is that next word? Cheerful or joyful giver. God loves a joyful giver, but many of us are reluctant to give. Many of us um, give out of, of compulsion or requirement. In fact, there's this kind of journey that I believe we all take when we decide that we're going to give, and it's a journey towards joyous giving. Uh, I believe that we go through this process. I've even been through this as your pastor, where it begins with reluctance. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I, I know I need to give. I really would rather this go to a golf membership. <laughs> I'm being honest with you right now, really. I mean, I'd love to, like, you know, provide more for my kids and invest more. But I, I, I really have to give, and I really don't want to. And then we move to a requirement. Like, it's an act of obedience, and we still, like, are struggling with that desire. But eventually, if we allow God to change our heart on this, we become joyful givers. And I want to tell you today that there have been times that I've told you in the past that partial obedience um, is really disobedience, but I want you to hear this. I believe that a step towards obedience, especially in this area, I believe that God will, hear me, he will bless that effort. And I think he's pleased with you making an effort to give back a portion to him. And so declaration number two is I'm delighted to give a portion of my money back to God. And thirdly, the third declaration is this. I am actively giving a portion of my money back to God. Again, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. So we see in verses 10 and 11, um, he, Paul gives his judgment. It benefits you to give, and it does. We'll look at that in the last declaration. Um, so complete what you've started. Be good on your word. If God has told you a certain amount or a certain percentage, be good on that. Actually bring it. Actually, you know, don't forget the check. Or don't forget to initiate the payment. Because God does see your heart, but he is also pleased with your action and execution. And so he says in verse 11, so now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. I love that. Now, the next chapter, I love this. Um, Paul continues this kind of uh, theme of being generous and, and generosity and money in chapter 9. And, and if we skip down to 2 Corinthians 9, uh, I love this, uh, verse 3. He says this, But I'm sending the brothers so that out of our boasting about you, that it may not prove to be empty in this matter so that you may be ready as I said you would be. I love that verse. That's Paul doing this to the church in Corinth. Listen, I've bragged about Macedonia. I've bragged other churches about you, but 
doggone it, if I send uh, Titus and I send these guys to collect and you guys don't have any money to give, I'm going to look really foolish because you all have a lot of money to give. I'm going to look really foolish. So he says to complete it. Complete it. Otherwise, if he says in verse 4, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you're not ready to give, readiness to give, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. I just love that. It's like, don't prove me wrong, Corinth. Don't prove God wrong, Corinth. Be faithful in it. And so he says, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not an exaction, not an exaction. And so our third declaration is I'm actively giving a portion of our money back to God, my money back to God. Listen, we make it easy with the online transactions for you. If, if you don't do online transactions with your own bank um, where you could initiate that payment, um, our online, which is totally secure and safe, um, you can arrange those that way. And, of course, you can give uh, in our giving stations each and every week. Hey, we don't even pass the plate. So in that respect, we make it hard for you. But I, I don't want you to feel compelled to give. I want God to lead that in your life. And that's why we don't pass the plate. Finally, declaration number four. And this is about us and the kingdom work. I am expectant for God to bless me and for his name to be made known. His promise, I want you to hear this. If you're here today and you are frustrated in your finances, if you are frustrated with money, if you are sick and tired and you're not currently giving, he promises that your needs will be met. Malachi 3.10, we've looked at it in week one. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse there uh, that there may be food in my house. He's talking about the temple, the place of worship and thereby put me to the test. It's the only thing that God says, test me on. And he says, uh, there, there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the floodgates of heaven for you and pour down for you a, what's that next word? Blessing. Blessing until there's no more need. And we talked about in week one that our view of blessing is like winning the lottery. Or having the relative that died decades ago and all of a sudden they left you a bag full of money? God ties blessing to meeting your needs, doesn't he? God ties blessing to meeting your need. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, the first and the best. Then your barns will be plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Love that. Honor the Lord, and he will provide. And then finally, in, in 2, uh, Corinthians, or, yeah, 2 Corinthians 9, um, 6 through 15, skip down to verse 10. He says this. This is Paul again, verse 10. He says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness, and you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. What a great verse to focus on this time of year. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the Christians, the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. But their approval of this service, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contributions for them 
and for others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Essentially what Paul is saying there is the fact that um, when we give, we are giving to God and it benefits us, but it also benefits the cause of Christ, the gospel being spread into all the world. And so I want to encourage you on this last one. If you're here today and you've come in, and boy, finances is a tough subject because there's really not been anything good about finances lately or maybe in your life. You can expect God to bless you. And you can expect for his made name to be made known because of your contribution to your church, whether it's here on Hilton Head Island or Cincinnati or Columbus, Ohio. Sorry about you, Ohio State guys. I didn't mention anything in the first service. I was afraid they'd all get up and leave, but you, we're, we're okay, right? Right? Everybody awake? We're right? Okay, we're okay. Okay, so uh, this whole idea of the readiness to give is this, that we are ready to give when we joyfully carry out our plans to practice radical, radical generosity. That's it. It's just time to do it. It's time to give. Today, um, when you walked in, you were handed a card. And uh, I'm going to have you guys get those in your hands. You can wave them up in the air or whatever you want to do with them. But um, this is a, a card, really a commitment card. And I'm going to ask Kelly, if you did not get one of these when you came in, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand in here. And Kelly's going to come by and hand one of these to you. On one side is our little logo for this past four weeks. On the other side is a place for your name and email. Now, um, I, I'm going to look at these. And part of the reason that we didn't have any places for any amounts on here is because I'm going to look at them. And I believe that um, um, your giving to God is between you and God. And we have certain people like bookkeeper and people who help prepare financial statements that look at this. Um, but I want to let you know that, that is, this is really between you and the Lord, except that um, in this case, I want to help encourage you along the way. And so I've asked for your name and your email address to be put on there. I've asked for your name and email address to be put on there. And Gloria, I just handed you my last one. So I'm going to ask for that back. And I'll give it back to you. How about that? All right, we've got a deal going on here. All right, so um, this is how we've listed this. I want you to take a look at this very carefully. It says check all that apply because in some ways it could be one or it could be uh, more. It could be multiple of these. Um, I'm committing, the first one says, to give a one-time gift over and above my regular tithe by the end of the year. That really is designed for those of you who are here and, and you already give 10% or more. Um, maybe God is leading you to do something more. Maybe he's leading you to do something above what you currently are doing. The second one is this. I'm committing to give 10% of my income on a consistent basis. Maybe you, over the years, have, have given to God. Um, remember a few weeks ago, we called uh, people who just give a little bit tippers, and that's cool, that's great. Uh, for some of you, that is being uh, radically generous. But maybe today, God is leading you to begin tithing. Just begin right now, right today, and uh, you're making a commitment to give 10% of your income on a consistent basis. The third one is I'm committing to start giving a portion of my income on a consistent basis. That's for those of you who are here and you've really never given to God. And I believe that he is going to bless that act of obedience, whether it's 1% or 5% or 8% or whatever the case may be. And then the last one is I'm committing to take Financial Peace University in January 2016. And if you're here today and you're like, man, this stinks, this whole thing. And I've heard this for four weeks and I'm not any more encouraged than when I started. Well done, Pastor Todd. Uh, <laughs> I want to encourage you. 
I want to challenge you to don't let another year go by without diving in to financial peace. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, um, these, by the way, are going to be available uh, for this next month, all the way through the end of the year. But if you're here today and you've prayed through this and um, there's one or more of these that you really feel strongly about, I'm going to ask you during our time of worship where our team's going to come up and they're going to lead us in two more songs of worship this morning. And during that time of worship, I'm going to ask you to come forward as a declaration to God that I'm doing this. And even if you already tithe, helps us to know how many people we can count on. I told you about the church that like requires people to turn their tax returns in. Like we're not ever going to do that, but it is good to know who we can count on, right? And so um, come forward and make that commitment to the Lord by choosing one of these. I'm going to do it this morning. Me and my family are going to do that this morning. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Let's ask God for the confidence and the courage to do that this morning. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for all these who are here today, all these who have gathered. And God, money is a subject that pastors don't like to talk about, nor do people like to hear about too often. Maybe not at all. And God, I thank you that um, your word has a lot to say about it. Your word has a tremendous amount to say about it. More than any other topic in all scripture. God, it's important to you. And so if we're a Christ follower, because it's important to you, it should be important to us. And Father God, I pray that you would be with those who are here today and over the course of these past few weeks, your Holy Spirit has just been really leading them maybe to a certain percentage or a certain amount or a new practice. God, I pray that you would give them the courage, that you would give them the tenacity, the determination, the ability, God, the desire and the readiness to give back to you. And God, may you bless them as you promise as a result. May they have a deep abiding faith knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt if they start this new practice and it seems scary and it seems intimidating and there's fear and anxiety, God, I pray that you would take that away and that you would allow them to rest in the peace of your promise that you will bless them and that you will meet every single need. God, we thank you because you're a great God. You are a good God and you are a faithful God. And we sing now, we give praise to you now as we sing about your greatness. In Jesus' name, I pray.